Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to episode 9 of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast, where exploitation and exploration come together. Oh. It is I, your humble host, your guide through trash cinema, and your friendly neighborhood garbage can, Kame and Darty. And on today's episode, we're finally giving the goddess herself, Linnea Quigley, the time she rightfully deserves, mm. as well as genuinely pushing the limits of what trash cinema has to offer. <laughs> With the one, the only Hollywood chainsaw hookers. <laughs> but before we get into that, let me introduce you to the person I call friend, a person mm. who is both loving, caring, who shoulders my burdens, who makes me a better person, and most importantly, taught me what a Kentucky Klondike bar is. Patrick Schweigert. Kentucky Klondike Bar, the act of freezing a bowel movement and sexually penetrating another with the frozen bowel movement. You might not know this. Also known as, well, if it's in a, a group setting, Space Dock Fondue Party. Ooh, well, look at that. I don't look at um, that. I know this. Uh, can Fantastic. I actually, can, can I be honest for a second? <laughs> sure. Klondike Bars, not the sexual Kentucky kind. Klondike mm. Bars? Sure. Arguably one of the most overrated ice cream treats out there. Thousand percent. How have they lasted like, so long? What a mess. Like it's they just gross. fall apart. They try to save them with like an Oreo situation or like a Heath outer shell. Mm -hmm. Trash. Get it it's out of my trash. It's in a bowl. It's not, it's not right. Not the good kind of trash either. The bad kind of trash. And that other voice that you're hearing right now, mm. you might recognize it. You've heard him on our mini-sodes. You've heard him salivating over the roid rage monster that was Samurai Cop. He's oh. got the mustache to end all mustaches. Bennett, Bennett Thompson. Bennett, how are you today? Brilliant. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to review certainly a movie that, uh, let's just say, left a mark. I'm not, not going to quite go to Scar yet, but uh, it's where, an where impression. Like a skin uh, mark? In, in places that shan't be named mm. uh, and deep deep between the toes for one place. You know, I don't know what you guys are talking about. This movie's fantastic. But before we get into the actual movie, let's do a little quick housekeeping. Hey, before, before we jump in, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on the podcast app of choice. Don't forget... You can be on the show by emailing us your thoughts and questions to savetrashcinema at gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter at savetrashcinema or on Instagram at savetrashcinema as well. Make sure to check out last week's mini-sode where Bennett and I uh, try to make heads and tails of the absolutely insane 1988 Japanese shocker Evil Dead Trap. Really? We'll be continuing to release mini-sodes in between our normal episodes, so make sure to stay tuned for those because we have some very exciting and varied content being released each and every week but before we go any further guys we have something really incredible to announce i want to do a quick shout out if that's okay between the two of you please i consent all right let's do a quick shout out for our friends over at travelers tap room in greenville south carolina not only are they fellow trash crusaders but they're also doing some amazing work so if you live in Greenville or just passing through, stop on by, grab a drink, and tell them your friends at Save Trash Cinema sent you. You won't regret it. I've Cheer. not been. Out of the way. 
I've not mm-hmm. been to the tap room, Cayman, but I've been to Greenville several times. Uh, yeah. I enjoy that city a fair bit. So next time I go, I will be traveling to the tap room. I was born in that, that city. Room. I lived yeah. in that city. Ooh. I have a genetic duplicate that lives in that city. Holy shit. And the people who raised me live in that city. Well, well we don't trust them too much. Fair. But you should still visit beautiful downtown Greenville. You should. And while you're in beautiful downtown Greenville... Like we said, stop on by Traveler's Tap Room. Please. With that out of the way, though, let's jump into a little overview of Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. It's a 1988 horror comedy, emphasis highly on the comedy portion. It's directed Mm -hmm. by my personal favorite trash cinema director, Fred Olin Ray, and co-written by Ray himself and T.L. Langford. You might not remember the name, but Fred Olin Ray was the auteur behind episode 8 of Safe Trash Cinema, Evil Tunes, as well as the director of other fantastic films such as A Royal Christmas Engagement, All I Want for Christmas, The Christmas Gift, and... Girl with the sex ray eyes. <laughs> Such <laughs> variety. T.L. Langford, on the other hand, wrote such films as the Gary Busey-led Bulletproof, the 90s kung fu classic Paper Dragons, which I might want to add, stars a young Jeremy Renner, and a oh, few God. episodes of Emmy-nominated television show Bosch. So, holy fuck, how did we get here? Sure. Story- I've never watched <laughs> Bosch. It always comes up when I open up Amazon, but never watched it. Yeah, it's pretty good. The story itself follows private detective Jack Chandler, who, after being entrusted with finding the whereabouts of teenage runaway Samantha, embarks on a seemingly easy mission to track down the girl in Los Angeles' seedy nightclubs. Suspecting that the missing woman has fallen prey to a Hollywood prostitution ring, Jack goes undercover, only to discover that a bloodthirsty cult of lethally beauty and chainsaw-wielding prostitutes is terrorizing the city. Could innocent Samantha be part of Hollywood's demented chainsaw hookers? Is Detective Chandler going to be the demonic sex next victim? Oh boy, we're fucking finding out soon. Now, the film itself stars my personal favorite. Oh my god, I love her so much. Edie Scream Queen and my crush, Linnea Quigley, who you might have She's seen. She's a gem. She's a gem. You might have seen her in Silent Night, Deadly Night, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. Or Return of the Living Dead. It also stars one Gunnar Hansen, the original Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as well as John Henry Richardson, who you might have seen from one of his 167 fucking credits that he has under the name. But you probably haven't seen a single one of them because God knows they're all terrible. And as well as Penthouse Pets Pet of the Month from July 1981, Michelle Bauer, who as a cameo role in Evil Tunes. Now, the film itself, it runs for an astoundingly short hour and 15 minutes, making it the shortest film we've re- reviewed so far in Save Trash Cinema. And unfortunately, has no rating on Rotten Tomato because apparently film critics can't be bothered to stop sucking Martin Scorsese's dick long enough to watch good movies. Don't worry, though, because you, the beautiful and intelligent audience that you are, can stream Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers for free right now on Tubi. I need to say, I am suing you, Cayman, for psychological dismay for making me visualize Martin Scorsese's dick getting sucked. Fair. Really, really didn't need that in my life ever. 
Well, so, you know, you'll be hearing from my lawyer named Call me to the witness stand. Thanks, Cayman. Ugh. Well, you know, you guys can uh, lament all you want. We're done talking about Martin Scorsese's dick for at least right now, because you know what we got to do? We got to jump into some initial thoughts. So let's start off with you, Patrick, like we always do. Why don't you go ahead and tell me what you thought about Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers? I, um, I am hopeful that by the end of this episode, I will have better thoughts about this movie. Cause it, here's the thing. I think it's very important to start by saying, I watched this movie alone in the middle of the day. <laughs> so like that made you feel uncomfortable, didn't it? It, mm. it didn't even necessarily make me feel uncomfortable. Although my windows were open and there were times people were driving by and I was like, school Ooh. might get out and you might get arrested. But I think it's one of those movies where I wish I had watched it with a group of friends under the stars Sure. Maybe a few uh, drinks and me because it was fine. Um, there were parts I really liked. Like I really love the noir angle this movie took. Mm-hmm. I think if it didn't have the noir spin, I I might have like really disliked this movie. Sure. Um, but that was fun. Like I, I had fun throughout hearing him narrate uh, kind of what he's doing and what's happening. Like that was fun. Um but yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm really excited to talk about this because I I have a feeling that you both will highlight some things that I just didn't get to experience uh, since I was alone in in a fun way. So overall, kind of I see I see on it to use a gotcha phrase. gotcha. Okay, well Bennett, you know you came off the heels of Samurai Cop, the last full episode we've done together, and you're on all of the minisodes, but we predominantly watched good movies arguably good movies so initial thoughts <laughs> bennett hollywood chainsaw hookers initial thoughts without uh, like spilling my guts here i had a great time that's what we're looking for here if i want to have fun when i watch movies patrick i also watched this by myself but i watched it in the evening so i didn't with feel one hand down so pants. perverted um no i didn't have pants on uh Shame of you to assume such things that I wear clothes. Even better. I, I agree with Patrick. The the noir vibe, the the narration, uh, and the there's so much fun to it. It's very little horror. Horror is part of the comedy. It's a comedy, um, but it's got some some definitely horror scenes that are explosive with very watered down thin blood mm-hmm. uh, and and body parts that come from every angle that they shouldn't be. But did I enjoy myself? Absolutely. That was a fun movie to watch. And and it's got the spit and polish. It doesn't feel with the exception of the opening and ending credits that are shaky cam. Everything about it felt like it, it had a solid budget. And even if some of the other things which make it so adorable are a little bit lowbrow, uh, the, the feel and the look of the movie was uh, really high, high touch. Sure. No, I, I don't disagree with either of you on both aspects. Um, but my opinion matters little in the moment because you know what? It's time to get on with the show. Mm. Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, everyone. And I took out a sexual enhancement device. And is this the device? Yeah, that's it. Then what did you do? I'll show you.
the film opens with a caption. The chainsaws used in this motion picture are real and dangerous. They're handled here by seasoned professionals. The makers of this motion picture advise strongly against anyone attempting to perform these stunts at home, especially if you are naked and about to engage in strenuous sex. My conscience is clear. Signed, Fred Olin Ray. Why is sex the only word that's capitalized? It's a lo- It's a lengthy two scene or two cut disclaimer and sex is capitalized as the last word i wonder what they're inferring Mm. i I mean there's only one way to find out isn't there Ben? i also want to ask why his conscience is clear just because he wrote this disclaimer yeah i want to go ahead and point out in this film there's actually not a single actual sex scene in this movie Sure, there's foreplay, but no actual sex, huh? Yeah, no actual sex scenes, which once again, I want to point out, better than Samurai Cop. I do have a solid boob count for this film. Not like like you would have guessed otherwise, but I do have a solid boob count. We're going to be in the hundreds. At some point, you're going to accept that literally every piece of art ever made is better than Samurai Cop. That's probably fair. A detective is talking to a sex worker. She begins describing a sexual encounter with a customer. She says that he had, he was broke. And so she went to the closet and took out some sexual enhancement product. Emphasis on the finger quotations. Yep. A man off screen, presumably another detective, places a chainsaw on the table. He then asks her what she did. And she says, I'll show you, then revs up the chainsaw. Cut at this black. point, at this point, I'm scared because I'm 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 an I'm an empathetic guy, Bennett, and I'm putting myself in the shoes of a man who is about to have sex, and then someone pulls out a chainsaw, and that's a scary thought, Bennett. What do you do? I mean, like literally, somebody pulls out a chainsaw on you that you've gotten into bed. You don't naturally assume that they're going to saw you. Okay. I don't know. I might actually. If someone pulls out a chainsaw in bed, that might be the first thing I assume. You know, it's a great scene, right? You've got the it's it's black in the background, just a light shining on her as she's being interviewed, and it's this terrible commentary. And then what happened? And what happened next? And then what? And she gives three word answers, but it it leads right into what we're expecting from this movie. It really sets the tone perfectly for what we end up with. Well. The fun part about this is, is immediately after it cuts to black, emblazoned on the screen, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Let's go. Our first piece of trivia this episode came in. Uh, Maxim mm-hmm. Magazine bestowed this film with the title of the fourth greatest B-movie of all time. Ah. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to share with our listeners what numbers one, two, and three were, but we can tell them what number four was. We can indeed. A P.I. is sitting in his desk. He's narrating while typing away on his typewriter. He bemoans L.A. Talks about how sleazy it is. We cut to a bar. Two ladies are gawking at a lonely man who's finishing his drink. One of them approaches him. He's from Seattle. His name's Bo Hansen. She makes a crack about his name, but seems to be interested in having sex with him. She says he needs some TFC. Some tender fucking care. <laughs> and then her name is Mercedes. She's a social asks, worker. 
She's not a hooker. She calls herself a social worker. Correct. Well, there is some social and some working. He asks if she's a hooker. She's appalled, but then immediately admits that she is one. After some small talk, he agrees to go back to her place. They arrive at a sleazy motel. He comments about her gross place, and it comes out that he's also a military man. She fixes him a drink and puts on some music. Then immediately gets naked, full frontal. We're not even five minutes into this movie. 14 nope. seconds from when she turned the album on. I, I timed it. 14 seconds <laughs> until she took her top off. 31 seconds till she was fully naked. I mean, music you know, does stranger things. That's honestly, that's like faster than I could potentially ever try to get naked because I'm just like a fat piece of shit and trying to take my <laughs> pants off is like the hardest activity that I have to do in my day-to-day life. Sure. How did you get to adulthood? That's a good question. Also, Once what I the, split what my the head fuck open is Boycott it? Britain? She had yeah, these stickers all over her apartment. I did not do any research into that, but she had Boycott Britain all over the place. Did something happen in the mid-80s towards... Uh, did we get another tea fight? I, you know, I don't know. I was going to ask you if that was something related to music, but... I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think the 80s is when the American Revolution happened. Oh, I, I, I think I think it was 1982, if I'm not mistaken. So that makes you know, boycott Britain. Fair. Yeah. It, it tracks. Yeah. She's a little behind the eight ball, though. She does have her stickers on everything in 1988. So maybe she's still reliving her glory days. While she's dancing around, she opens a dresser drawer, pulls out plastic sheeting. She begins to hang it up on the wall. And she dons a shower cap. This is the moment in which I am out that door. Oh, yeah. If you're bringing out plastic covering of anything pre-sex. She didn't cover everything. She covered one thing. She covered a giant framed poster of the Kang himself, Elvis Mm -hmm. Presley. Thank you. Thank you very much. Which there's an interesting point of trivia about the King himself. Michelle Bauer is actually dancing to a different Elvis Presley song. The song used during filming costs too much, and they had to substitute it with another one. As a result, her gestures don't match the lyrics heard in the film. I have another piece of trivia. Came Please. I didn't notice that they didn't match. It's not like I, I expected I didn't them to match. Yeah, same, same, same. Uh, fourth grade came in. I, I didn't know you. I didn't know mm-hmm. Bennett. No, sure. But it was the first time I was ever cast in a play. I played the title role of Elphis in a Christmas. Uh huh. It was a Christmas. Yep. Elphis, the elf Elvis. It was a Christmas musical all about the king of the North Pole, Elphis. Good God. Please tell me this is on film. I, you know, know, it might be actually. I've never actually asked my parents if they filmed it, but I will report back. Well, I don't think anything else we're going to do is going to be as good as that. However, Mercedes jumps on the man and begins to undress him. She admonishes him about him getting close to climaxing and tells him she has something to help him relax. And it's a goddamn chainsaw. (laughs) Also, this guy is about to climax pants. Maybe the pants were off, but. Not a lot has happened. He's just been lying on this bed for about 15 seconds. So, you know, I mean, let's be honest, guys. Like, it could just be that he hasn't been laid in a while 
and he's going to pop one off real quick. And sure, you know, as three dudes sitting here, arguably, are we really, are we really going to shit on this guy? We all have a lot of experience with hookers and we know the drill. You, you, it's a business transaction. You get it done. You don't want to waste mm-hmm. their time anyway. You wouldn't want anybody to waste yours. Yeah, no, I've yeah, definitely had an experience with a sex worker before. Definitely. It's I've a, had yeah. an experience with a sex worker. Fucker, get off the pot. Same oh. time. Well, oh. she busts out the chainsaw and then immediately starts hacking away at him. Blood and limbs start flying around the, around the room as the man expires, we do a quick shot to the window of the motel room where a mysterious man is leering through the blinds. I wonder who that could be. Mm-mm. It's Super more creepy. The more exuberant blood splatter effects were done utilizing a Hudson sprayer. Exuberant. Don't know what that means, but... No fucking clue. What is a Hudson sprayer, Bennett? We're too young for that. I don't know, but it sprays blood from every direction and spits body parts that couldn't possibly have been cut oh. off from every direction as well. There's a foot way too early. She doesn't move the chainsaw a whole lot. My and favorite you see body part, parts flying from everywhere. My favorite part is when she his hand flies up at her and then just like grabs onto her her breast and she like picks it off and like looks at it and like <laughs>, laughs and then just keeps hacking away again. A Hudson sprayer is, you know, those things that you use to spray weed killer on your plants or on your weeds? Like a like, pumper. Like, like, oh, yeah, right. it's that. That's a Hudson sprayer. Huh. Okay. Hey, look, we learned edutainment. We cut back to the PI. He talks about how the cops are finding body parts in the sewer. And the cops think that a serial killer is on the loose. He says that he's been hired to find a runaway and that the girl has been charged with turning men into McNuggets. Naked McNuggets with a chainsaw. Literally uses the word McNuggets. I'm loving it. And I mean, I'm love at this point. I'm definitely loving it. And also, that's free press for uh, for McDonald's. And honestly, during that scene, I was kind of hungry. I was kind of like, you know, I could go for some McNuggets right now. You DoorDash yourself some McNuggets, didn't you? I didn't. Unfortunately, I knew that I would have explosive diarrhea if my body ever ate McDonald's again. When don't you have explosive diarrhea? That is true. That is very true. Jack Chandler, the PI that we've been seeing earlier in the film, he drops by the police station. There's plenty of dick euphemisms that are being thrown around. As he so many. The police chief. <laughs> Unending. He says he's looking for a runaway and thinks that they have her in lockup. The detective says that the girl they had used the murder weapon to hack up two of his men. The cops roll in the murderous vixen. They exchange a few sexual jokes, and he asks if she's seen the girl he's looking for. Unfortunately, she doesn't divulge any information before she's taken away. I I thought this whole thing was really weird, that he says, well, you know, we went to interrogate her, and we happened to leave some fuel left in the the line. (laughs) She yeah. killed a couple more cops, but sure. Why don't you talk to her, private citizen detective? And they called <laughs> her the Cuisinart Queen. I still don't understand that. Yeah, that was interesting, right? Like, what the hell does a Cuisinart have to do with chainsaw murder of cops? Well, I guess if she's chopping up people and turning them into McNuggets, mm. then uh, it could be food related. Also, the oh, founder McDonald's, of, of Cuisinart. Yeah, the founder of Cuisinart, Steve Cuisinart, famously mm-hmm. went to jail for murdering with a chainsaw famously oh, look it up you know we're gonna have a libel cases thrown against <laughs> we sure are soon 
Before Jack leaves, the chief gets a message saying that they have something he should see down in the lab. Jack says he'll walk with them. Down in the lab, the technicians show the chief and Jack a bloody paper bag they found. The bag contains lip balm, a condom, three severed fingers, a set of keys, and a bloody matchbook. What else do you need? Before There's Banaka, a, a very 80s thing that y'all might not even be aware of. A breath spray was a big thing. That, I don't even oh, think yeah. it exists anymore. But was Banaka was like super popular. Oh, yeah. And I, I, oh. I took the time, just as you did, to count the number <laughs> of fingers, the number of condoms. And what was that last? Oh, I recognize the logo of Banaka. Just dancing this bag of evidence on the table and yeah. touching the fingers. And it as we've grown through the age of CSI, everybody looking at this would be like, well, that won't be admissible in court. <laughs> well, before Jack leaves, he decides to steal the matchbook, which I'm almost a thousand percent positive is a crime that you can go to prison for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. He heads to a motel where he immediately fucks a lady. It's off screen, but we see the aftermath. And let me tell you, boys, it's gratuitous. Yep. After coitus, he opts to sneak out and go follow the lead from the matchbook. His lady friend is none too pleased, but Jack seems <laughs> cool with it. This is a fantastic scene. We don't see any of the sex that we presume happened, but she's laying backwards onto him. So her back is laying across his chest. Obviously, she's topless. And... She's completely passed out when he decides he's going to wake up and go. But because of the narration, this film noir narration that he's doing, he's telling us how great things are going and that he just decided to pack up and leave and that he and Sally are getting along really well. But what we're mm -hmm. seeing on screen is the two of them just absolutely having at it. And she's giving him the bird. And you can imagine how blue her language might have been. It's it's, it's a really good comedic moment, really perfectly timed. There were there was a, like eight seconds where I was like, is this woman dead at the beginning of the scene? Because oh, yeah. he was trying to move her and she was yeah, not she was budging. Zonked. We cut to a house where an older man in a terrible suit is anxiously awaiting a guest. There's a knock on the door and he lets in a buxom brunette, one of the girls from the bar at the beginning of the movie. Some trivia for the audience. This is Scream Queen Brink. Stevens, is it Brink? Cayman? A Brinky. Brinky. I was going to say Brinky and then I went for uh, Brink. Follow your instincts. Scream Queen Brinky Stevens from hit films came in. Hit films like such as Slumber mm. Party Massacre, Savage Streets, and Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolarama, my personal favorite, was offered a role, but she declined and said, quote, I can't be in a movie called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. My mother will kill me. I want to take a second to think on this. I you were too. in films such as Slumber Party Massacre and Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama, which is another Fred Olin Ray film, well, by the way. None of, I mean, hookers. It has the word hookers. hookers. In it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's the only it. issue that you have here is just the hookers part. I think so, which is a shame. Well, this uh, sleazy older gentleman, he fixes the lady a drink. He tells her, that he liked to take some nude photos of her. He says they aren't for pleasure, but for business. He's making a calendar to advertise his product. She presses him on it, and he says he sells baseball bats. 
<laughs> and he wants her to model them for him. Didn't need to the, sign uh, any sort of a release form, mm. nothing. Just I just want to take naked pictures of you to make money with them. Which leads me to, like, the question is, like, obviously money will be exchanging hands. Is this illegal? Like, does there have to be a contract involved? I've always wondered this, like, when they make porno and shit. Like, if you were to, say, purchase a, a sex worker off the street, and then you were like, hey, I'm going to take photos. Like, here is a contract that you have to sign for these photos to be taken. Like, does that nullify the whole prostitution element of that, or... Is this okay? I mean, it depends on if they had sex for the money, too. Like, if if the sex was just a side thing and he was paying her for a different service, then I don't think that would count as prostitution. I also feel like this is a very generational question that would yeah. be asked by you and not be asked by somebody who is getting prostitutes in the mid-80s. Like, but at that, that point, we still have, Fair. you know, phone booths and, and you have to get your film developed. So, yeah, I, I imagine that could be negotiated without signing a contract. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, the photo shoot commences. And she wears an arrangement of lingerie while showing off his <clears throat> baseball bat. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, because there's nudity here, too. He starts to get agitated that she keeps getting closer to him while he's taking photos. And would you believe it? <laughs> She fucking knocks his lights out with a beautiful home mm-hmm. run swing. Yeah, like, that was this girl's going to the majors, boys. Yeah, that was some Albert Pujols right there. Ooh, mm-hmm. Albert Pujols. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. She then drags his unconscious body into the bathtub and proceeds to saw his body apart. Once again, outside of the house, the mysterious man watches. Wouldn't it have been great if this mysterious man was David Carradine? Heyman? Oh my god, if this was David Carradine, I would have turned the movie off. We would have canceled this fucking episode. We're not releasing anything this week. We're done. I can't yeah. handle that creepy man's ghost anymore. Um, some trivia, though, to, to change topics. The scene between Lisa, played by Esther Elise, and Hermie, played by Fox Harris, was filmed at Fred Olin Ray's apartment. The script was being written in the living room while they were shooting the chainsaw scene in the bathroom. Fred Olin Ray's neighbors at the, at the time were Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator and Edie McClurg from Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Elvira, what? Elvira. Oh, Elvira. What, what, a, what a little, what a little. Yeah, uh, I want to go to one of those barbecues. I know, right? Mm-hmm. That's just like a trash cinema apartment complex like everyone i mean i'm sure that apartment complex was a blast there was just blow everywhere (laughs) oh my god it's a great scene it's almost identical to the first kill scene too right like Mm. she gets naked starts dancing around gets a prop uses that prop to take care of said perp and then this time she takes the chainsaw with him in the bathtub but it's almost identical to the same way that Mercedes kills the first victim. She points yeah. the chainsaw in a direction where you know where it's supposed to be. She doesn't move a whole lot, but you see body parts flying from mm-hmm. left to right and north and axis Z. It's blood spraying all over the place with no rhyme or reason. And and she's laughing, obviously, hysterically. And so am I. I, um, I agree. I got to say, at this point, I'm team hookers. Like, oh, I'm totally, I'm totally yeah. down with with yeah. them killing these dudes. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Why not? Back at his office, we see Jack. He calls the number from the matchbook, and a lady by the name of Mercedes answers. The same Mercedes as before. Jack drives to meet Mercedes. 
Here's a report on the radio saying that the police have determined the chainsawed man they discovered before the fifth in two weeks right. was a suicide. <laughs> oh, boy. They're just trying to pass it on. But we've got no less than five deaths being reported on the radio. Anybody in the 80s. And by now, we've experienced serial killer syndrome in America. Mm. Five radios in two weeks, NLA everybody's in a panic no matter if you but that's why they try to do exactly that right they say no it was a another chainsaw accident sure, people in know. la just don't seem to know how to use chainsaws it's just another accident i really wish that elon musk was around in 1988 so he could buy out whatever news coverage this was so that he could like release real news see i Similarly, I do wish he was around, but I wish that he had been around in L.A. purchasing the time of one of these women True. so that he could be on the other end of the chainsaw. <laughs> when he invents time that. travel, he probably will. Well, there we go, guys. All of our Twitter accounts have been canceled. Well, Jack sits <laughs> at the bar awaiting Mercedes, and he orders a bourbon with a bourbon chaser, a man after my own heart. Mm. It's at this point, Mercedes walks up. She arrives and immediately puts on the seduction few things have happened here, folks, we need to discuss. The first, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, is this uh, Noir narration where he says, and here comes the broad, and she's got a great set of headlights. And then there's another scene where he's like trying to get the bartender to give him some information about the missing girl, and he doesn't do anything. And then he's, he starts doing pantomiming like, He's doing shadow bunnies and he's like, I forgot exactly the phrase that he uses there. He says, he was like, and then I tried to show him what a shadow bunny looks like. Nothing phases this guy. Who and is I'm this like, guy, by the way, what's the name of the bartender? I have no fucking idea. Oh, you did. The, the actor. Dickie Flyswatter. Dickie Flyswatter. <laughs> oh my God. I completely forgot there was a name in the opening credits. For Dickie Flyswatter. Dickie fucking Flyswatter. Okay. Of what course is Dickie, he's unbreakable. What does Dickie Flyswatter do exactly? He tends bar and cheap hookup. Well, I, I mean, obviously in the film, like who goes around like their name that they're using as any sort of name, pseudonym or not, is literally Dickie Flyswatter. Like what in the literal fuck? I mean, hell. I mean, it, it's the guy that I'm thinking of, the bartender, right? It yes. is. I mean, he's just leaning into the creepy, right? Like he's oh, a he creepy looking is. dude. So he's like, you know what's going to uh, keep me around? Having my stage name be Dickie Flyswatter. Mm. I'm sure his name is like Jim Fields or something. <laughs> Some <laughs> stupid shit. Well, Jack and Mercedes are sitting down at a table at this point. And Jack looks up at, on the at stage. the bar, which is surrounded by really weird people, like a lot mm. of weird extras, a lot, maybe six. This movie shows a lot of times they couldn't afford extra extras, but there's like six extras. None of them seem that they would be friends outside of this bar. One of them is clearly 11 years old at best, drinking a martini and smoking a cigarette. Hey, it's the 80s, we're baby. All, we're setting a stage. Well, they go to sit down. We realize at this point that this isn't just a normal bar. This is also a strip club. And who's the stripper on stage? <sighs> Linnea fucking Quigley. Oh, yeah. I could, I could, I was watching it in the middle of the day and I could feel 
you from across the <laughs> the second Linnea came on screen, I was like, Cayman knows. Cayman's feeling this. I um, was feeling it. Yeah, you were. Uh, some uh, some so much. some Linnea Quigley trivia, please for you guys. Linnea Quigley had read for parts in several other films directed by Fled Owen Ray, but never got cast. When Michelle Bauer mentioned that she knew him, Linnea asked that she introduce her. She was cast as Samantha in this film because she had an innocent quality that reminded him of Goldie Hawn, another petite Hollywood blonde. So there you go. Did Goldie Hawn not try out for Hollywood chainsaw hookers? It's better that she didn't. I guarantee you she did not. It's better that she didn't because if she did, then we wouldn't have Linnea Quigley. Fair. You guys can all go to hell. They sit at a table and Mercedes leans in and tells Jack Chandler she's going to, and I quote, I'm going to fuck your brains out. And this is when, and remind me, Cayman, if this is, if, uh, if this is a narration, I believe it is narration. It is the narration. Uh, this was my, one of my favorite lines from the film. Mm. When he says sure. that you could knock me over with a pubic hair. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? What are you trying to say with that? Are you just like means... so like dumbfounded and like you're so out of it that just a pu- one pubic hair is just going to knock you over? Is that what that means? No, it means that you're so fucking rock hard that this, the slightest of winds breathes Stiff. off the ocean. Uh would slap your ass over and then you would be buried in the sand dick first interesting how about that (laughs) mercedes goes to get their drinks and jack notices that the girl dancing on the stage is actually samantha kelso the runaway that he's been looking for some trivia linnea quigley rarely allowed her parents to see her films hmm i wonder why Hmm. often erasing their showtimes in the TV guide when they would play on television. However, she was so proud of this film that they actually attended the Hollywood premiere with her. That's messed up. You don't mess with the TV guide, man. That's messed. Imagine that. She notices Jack as he walks over to a phone book while he's trying to call the police for backup, and she flees off stage. As to not arouse suspicion, he goes back to his table where Mercedes is waiting. In the corner we see the mysterious man looking on. She is, and it's time to point out, this is for Bennett and Bennett only. She's drinking a screaming orgasm. She makes that very clear to him as well, that it's a screaming orgasm. She is Mm. coming on to him hard, and he wants nothing to do with it. He is stressed out on on the stage. Well, he is, but he's also, at this point, to point out that he is, regardless of whether or not his beau was angry at him, He's a good man. He's not trying to have sex with all these other ladies. He's definitely not Samurai Cop. He's a good man, but his his lasting quote is, she had a great pair of tits. We, so, fair enough. With the level of, you know. Okay, the bar is very low here. This is yeah. trash cinema. They said Jack low. finishes his drink and immediately passes out of the table. Drugged, perhaps? Definitely. Jack awakes in a bed with a raging headache. Lady is standing over him and says she found him in a gutter and brought him back to her place. He finds himself tied to the bed. A trio of women led by Mercedes walk out of the back room and start caressing him. Behind them, the mysterious man walks out and shoos the ladies away. He calls in one of the women and motions her towards Jack. She climbs on top of him and starts carving 
an eye into his chest with a knife. And he doesn't seem very phased by this. No, not like, at all. Like he's not, it's not like he's just like sitting there taking it, but like, come on. Uh, someone is digging into your flesh with a knife. I think you might be uh, having a bigger reaction, Jack. I wouldn't he say also digging, Patrick. I would say somebody was painting blood onto his Fair. chest with a knife because Fair. she really wasn't even trying to break the skin with what is obviously a problem. Fair. But he does. He definitely seems slightly aroused in this moment where he's like, oh, you know. He's still cracking wise. Oh, yeah. Well, he's a P.I. in the 80s. Of course, he's, he's got to throw in as many one liners as he can. This um, this mysterious man, Cayman, mm-hmm. is as you, you're the aforementioned Gunnar Hansen, who also played the chainsaw wielding Leatherface in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Perfectly cast. I mean, couldn't well, say not... couldn't say I recognized him. Well, no. of course, I mean, in Leatherface or in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he literally wears a, a, a leather face over his head the whole time. That's, so that's fair. We'll say, point. I think that he, I mean, obviously he's a massive human. If you've ever seen it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface is a huge, huge menacing figure. They have him like painted up in the movie where he's got like big dark rings under his eyes and he's got like very dark hair, and, like bushy, dark black beard. I listed and, in my uh, notes to call him Dollar Store Orson Welles. Oh, that's a very good point. He does look a lot like Orson Welles in this movie. Good job, good job. Yeah, but he's he's menacing looking. You know, like he, yeah. I would be like, yeah, I menacing, menacing guy. looking, <laughs> menacing looking, because as he introduces himself and opens up his mouth and out pops what sounds like Ben the Orson Mouse. Welles. It, it's it's. Off-putting, if nothing else. He sounds like Orson Welles as well. Right, right. Well, you don't expect him of... from this giant mass of beef and beard and hair and yeah. dark eyes. And you get, I'd like to expose. I can't even do it. You don't get yep. it until you see it and hear it. Well, the mysterious man tells him that he's part of a religious organization and the chainsaws are the cosmic link, which by all things are united. Uh... He also tells him. That the sex workers are his disciples and they worship chainsaws. Also, the religion comes from his Egyptian ancestors and they sacrifice men to their god by chainsawing them up. I will say. Fun fact, a little trivia. Trivia for the audience. Please. Based on a true story in Egypt when they developed chainsaws. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think I think this was right around the time of the American Revolution in 1982. I think, uh, see, yeah, mm-hmm. I think. Was, mm-hmm. um, I gotta say, this yeah. moment of the film, I don't think it really sunk in when I was watching. Just how fucking batshit that is. I think it kind of went over my head that, and because I I, I want to read this back. Okay. <laughs> he tells them that the sex workers. Actually, no, well, let me go back and the, even further. The mysterious man tells him that he's part of a religious organization and that chainsaws are the cosmic link which yes. by all things are united. Yes. Right. And that the sex workers are his disciples and that they worship chainsaws. And that it comes from his ancient Egyptian ancestors. Infallible logic. Unbelievable. And In- which to which their cult needs frequent human sacrifices to satiate said Egyptian chainsaws of the gods. Yes. 10 out of 10. I'm sorry. I don't see where there's anything suspect here. No, the, no. I, I'm I've been looking for the local own... Atlanta chapter. Yeah. 
I'm commenting on my own uh, lack of appreciation for this film. That this kind of went over my head when I was watching it, and that's fucking awesome. It's um, crazy. Some trivia: Lene Quigley was a fan of Gunnar Hansen's work in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and but was terrified about meeting him in person. Maybe because he wore a leather face. Yes. Uh, and one night after shooting, she went to her car and realized the battery was dead. But there, tall, dark, and handsome Hansen was to save the day and jump her battery for her. Yeah. You know, I met uh, Gunnar Hansen years ago. Uh-huh. Just a genuinely sweet human being. Sure. Uh, he unfortunately has passed away. Um, so RIP Gunnar Hansen, but the, the little interaction I did have with him was an absolute delight where I, it was, this was at days of the dead back in, I want to say 2010, maybe, um, maybe earlier than that. 2010, 2011, he was sitting, we, we were getting autographs and we came up and we, we obviously got an autograph from, from Mr. Hansen himself and uh just a, just a genuinely nice guy like he was so sweet and talked to us for like a solid five ten minutes um just a really pleasant human being to be around but enough about my interaction with him let's get back to the story mm. he tells jack that they were going to take him to the temple downtown but after annoying him that he's changed his mind and that they will end his life right here mercedes the runaway samantha and then the other girl whose name i forgot Come back into the room, pick up a chainsaw, and rev it up. Mm. Now, there's a moment here where one of the girls asks, I think it's the girl, I can't remember her name because she means nothing. She's in the movie so little. She asked Mercedes, she's like, so we're going to fuck him, right? And Mercedes oh, yeah. is like, yeah. she's like, wait, hold on. No, Letterman's about to start. And they're like, oh, okay. One of many Letterman references in this movie. If you don't know children, (laughs) Letterman was one of the original late night talk show hosts before the likes of Jimmy Fallon. That's the stranglehold Letterman had on on American television. Deadly. He was was a a, a god. You did not miss Letterman. I appreciate that they went with Letterman over like Larry King. Or Leno. My boner would have dropped real fast. Anybody in this movie strike you as Larry King fans? No. Even in LA, no. Fair enough. Jack pleads to Samantha to help him, since she's the reason he's in this mess to begin with. As Mercedes approaches him with a chainsaw, the chainsaw runs out of gas. So her and the other girl decide to go to the gas station, get some gasoline, and come on back to saw his ass up. They tell Samantha to stay and guard Jack. Now, Samantha and Jack have a little banter back and forth. She agrees to help him escape. She says the only reason she ran away from home is because they killed one of her best friends and that she is there because she's attempting to infiltrate their group and take them down from the inside. Jack tells her to go, but she refuses, saying that she will be the prime sacrifice tonight, and while she's in the temple, she will burn it down taking all of the cult members with her. Jack doesn't take no for an answer, though, and absolutely headbutts the fuck out of her. Mm-hmm. Then yanks up her lifeless body and beelines out of the house. <laughs> Apparently, after several failed takes, John Henry Richardson actually did headbutt Linnea Quigley. Oh. Neither actor broke character, and they finished the scene. Fortunately, it was the last scene of that day. The kid She's talked like a frosted flake, but she had the best pair of knockers I'd seen in a long time. I mean, is he wrong, though? 
He's not wrong. It's just got a beautiful flower to it. Talk it does. Like you... flake. It, the, the noir that he leans into, he does not lean off. It's it's very pushy. And so much of these little one-liners that are strewn throughout the movie. But that's one of my it's, favorites. It's like if you were to turn Dick Tracy into like a softcore porno without any sex scenes. Mm-hmm. Fair. Also, just way more violent because there's a lot of blood and body parts <laughs> in this movie. Um, all very cheesy though. None of this is just lifelike at all. It's absolutely insane. Knocked her ass out though. Now he's got her over his shoulder. So Jack decides at this point that instead of going to the police because that'll take way too long, that he'll just call the police chief at his house. Leave him a message, grab some pl- some supplies, and then head out. And then there's this scene where he calls the police chief at home, and he says in his detective noir narration, where he's like, "And the police chief told me never to call him at home." Then it cuts, and you've got him on the phone, and it's the voice message. He's like, "Hey, this is Police Chief Harrison. If this is Jack Chandler, go fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Hey, Chief, it's Jack Chandler. I just wanted to talk to you for a minute. Absolutely perfect. I'm sorry, but you know we can talk about all this stuff. I, I think the hardest thing in the world to do out of any type of movie is comedy. Comedy is so incredibly difficult to do in a film because jokes don't land. Like It's very difficult to write a movie that's going to be funny. And so a lot of really shitty films, things like The Room or Samurai Cop, are just naturally funny because they're so bad. Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, they're jokes, and they have jokes sprinkled throughout. Like, I'm sorry, but they land for me almost every time. That's a great point. It, you're you're not wrong. It's, it's yeah. not just good because it's bad, like Samurai Cop, which, let me reiterate, Samurai Cop is good because it's awful. Mm-hmm. The, the jokes really do land. The timing is good. The editing is one of the things that I thought was really good. Some scenes are a little bit, again, you said an hour and 15 minutes. I can imagine what got cut, which probably mm. wasn't more jokes. I imagine everything that they thought was funny would have landed on the, on the script. But the jokes really do land. You're not wrong. There's a lot of them. You got to be paying attention. It's a little bit archerish at moments where if you're not paying attention, it'll fly right over your head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nailed that one. So before Jack can leave, and he attempts to do so by leaving Samantha at his office, she wakes up and then seduces him in an attempt for him to take her with him. At first, he doth protest, but her wily charm gets the better of him, and after an off-screen squirreling, they head off to the Colts Temple together. An off-screen squirreling. What a- I love that whole thing, too, when he admits to knocking her out with a headbutt, and she just kind of looks at him and says, oh, no, that's okay. Like <laughs> She's know, complaining about getting knocked out when he admits to abusing her to the point that she was unconscious and he dragged her to an unfamiliar place. She says, that's all right. It's in this moment where I think it's very important to point out that the seduction in every single one of these scenes, anytime that there's any sort of sexual interactions or contact that take place, it is all 100% initiated by the woman. Right. Um, it's very sex positive and sex powering for like power, empowering for women sexually. Like in this scene, Linnea Quigley uses what she's got. It, but it, I mean, it's not done in a way that I felt like was like 
this is gross, right? Sure. Like, this feels gross. And and it's I think it's important to kind of point out too that in Evil Tunes, like that movie has a lot of nudity in it as well. And this is kind of Fred Olin Ray's shtick outside of making Christmas movies for Hallmark. Oh. Um he writes movies where all of the women are in charge sexually, right? Like they're the ones that are in, in control of their bodies. And, and in this scene, she gets what she wants. She doesn't yeah. have to do much other than bat her eyes and, and use that high pitched squeal. And she gets what she wants. Mm-hmm. And, she, and never and at any him point think that it was his choice. It never at any point was I like, this makes me feel uncomfortable because there's a weird power dynamic here. It's not, it doesn't exist. And that's honestly, I like, I think that's kind of progressive for its time. I mean, as well, shit, Samurai Cop was what, 91? I know we keep referencing Samurai Cop, but God, that movie. I feel like putting these two together is like a great combo, especially because when we get to the end of the film, there's something special that happens. Oh. As they search for the location of the temple, they see two massive cat statues and a cardboard sign that says, Temple this way. Oh, cool. That was easy. I one of my favorite parts of the movie for for two reasons. There's multiple cardboard signs throughout this yes. next little scene. And the characters never once look at them. They are completely for the audience's sake. And I yes. love that. I think it's that, part of that comedy, right? It's, it's got that gag. naked gun sensibility to it where it's great so, visual gag. Yeah, great visual gag. Really yeah, good. I, it, and it took me a second to realize that it was a visual gag. At first, I was like, wow, this is really like peak low budget. And then after the second sign, I realized they don't even make any sort of like uh, gesture toward it or anything. They just walk right past him like, oh, this is for us. OK, for this us. is funny. Yep. I tip my hat to you, sir. Hmm. Uh, apparently, the temple uh, was set or the temple set, excuse me, was recycled from house Two, the second story. Came uh, Did you know this? I heard about this. I've, I've seen house and house two and house three. Um, honestly, I'm more of a them? fan of the original house. It's a really fun movie, which we will cover one day on save trash cinema. Cause it's classic. It, is it, this, and it, it is trash cinema. So how, is. that's not the, is this the Japanese one or no? No, 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 no house. Okay. No, okay, no. Got it. which I don't know if we could cover that in a normal episode. That might be a mini episode. Sure. While sneaking through the temple, Jack knocks a sign over, which is the other sign that says, keep going. The temple entrance is right around the corner. <laughs> and this draws the attention of a guy dressed as a pirate. I think he definitely looks like a pirate, right? And he's, he's captured. He's dressed like a pirate. He's, he's yeah. He's got the attire like a pirate for some reason. And then that's it. That, if it's easy as that, let's, let's bring him into the uh, ceremony. The pirate leads them further into the temple, which begins to look less like a warehouse, and more like the set of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Poon. Mm. Oh, oh, there he is. Yep. Wait. Uh, the tomb scene in the film was the same one used in the movie Vamp. If you look closely, you can see that it still has Grace Jones, uh, her face adorned on the front. Grace Jones was Zula from Conan the Destroyer. Now we know that Bennett knows who Grace Jones is because she's a Bond chick. She's a Bond chick. She Which also one? Octopussy. No. 
I'll look it up. Um, no, that was that was too easy. God bless it. I know it, it, right? And I can see the movie. It's one of the better well, Bonds, dude. Mercedes, also, um, Christopher Walken, mm, Mercedes, and one of the other disciples, Akash, Jack, and Samantha. They say that their master has given Samantha another chance to redeem herself and inject her with the mysterious green goo that's allegedly the blood of their ancestors. Before they leave, they tell Jack that he's going to be their human sacrifice for the night. At the altar, the cult leader prepares the ritual and calls upon one of his goons who proceeds to open up a bunch of cans of crude oil, which are then poured into a bowl. I've never seen a can of crude oil opened that way. It's a very, very old can opener that would, I guess, only be used for oil. It's a and it's a lengthy scene. You kind of see him do the whole process. I was honestly, yeah. He keeps like cracking him open. He keeps cracking him open, and every time he cracks one up, he like stands up. He like waves his arms around like a goon, and, and it, it shoots to uh, all these ladies, which. Uh, well, we'll get there. But they're all, all cheering him on, and he's like, yeah. So he like, cracks up another five? Is there's there like four six. or five ladies? Yeah, there's, a, there's a, a bunch of them. He calls upon his high priestess of Anubis to take the bowl to his onlooking hooker disciples, who then drink the crude oil straight from the bowl so they can taste the blood of their ancestors. Which then brings me back to the original point, which is... We now find out that Linnea Quigley was injected with just straight crude oil, and I'm a thousand percent sure that would fucking kill you. Oh, yes. Perfect. Um, like, very quickly. Very titanium um, energy going on. Some, uh... Oh, flashback. Oh, oh flashback. Some, uh... Trivia? How do you sure. say trivia? Some of the hookers uh, in the background, the extras, might have been actual prostitutes, Bennett. The director said that these girls were chosen off the street and drank all the rap beer on set before they left. Fuck yeah. Yeah, good for them. Fuck a great yes. night for them. Hell yeah. There's there's a lot of like piped in applause through this whole segment as well. Um, again, <laughs> you see the, the chasm of women, which amounts to four or five or six. I can't remember. It's no more than half a dozen. So when you do hear applause, it's it's again... It's for us, right? They're making it clear that this is piped in noise, that this is supposed to be a little bit of comedic relief in in what is likely the darkest scene while they're doing this ceremony. There's a fire performance. If you're into the fire arts, there's a a, a, a fire um, hand, hand work and, and a little mm -hmm. bit of uh, fire breathing. And there's one moment where she spits out fire. But again, that just feels like an uncut fire performance scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Also a little terrifying because let's be honest, this set should catch up in flames. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think there's sure. a fire chief on set. So the master got her handsome. He calls out to Anubis saying that they are offering up the fresh flower of a virgin or something along those lines. The and virgin the dance of the double chainsaws. The virgin dance of the double chainsaws. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. And they're uh, super apparently... excited. The, the the cheers and the screams that are being piped in and, and it's it's brilliant. It really pipes in. This next piece of trivia does not shock me one bit because I actually found myself, I was like, wow, her body paint looks incredible. Mm -hmm. It took over seven hours to paint Lene Quigley's body for her virgin dance of the double chainsaw set piece. Wow. Totally tracks because it, so, it was 
really <clears throat> well done. It's at this point the goons open up a tomb in which Samantha Linnea Quigley steps out, absolutely donned in these like serpents all around her body in this beautiful thong, like beautiful 80s thong. One of those ones that are like that's like way higher up yeah, than the hip bones exist. Way above your belly button. Oh, yeah. Beautiful 80s. 80s thong covered in these beautiful serpents. And then she proceeds to do arguably the sexiest dance in the history of trash cinema. No, of all cinema. <gasps> I don't disagree. During this climactic mm. it is. cult ceremony, the set appears to be filled with smoke. However, in reality, it's exhaust from the chainsaws being wielded by Linnea during the virgin dance of the devil chainsaws. Supposedly, she had to start them before she went into the tomb because she couldn't start one of them without putting the other one down. So as a result, she was inside the tomb with these two running chainsaws and the exhaust was so overwhelming that she became lightheaded. You can actually see her stumble when she emerges from the tomb. Which oh. is true. I actually rewound the film to be like, okay, <laughs> this really happens, right? And she sure as shit does. With two running chainsaws, like stumbles out. But you know what? She stumbles out and then just immediately goes straight into dance. And that is why, guys, Linnea Quigley is easily the greatest actress of our time. Robbed of an Oscar. Robbed. Fucking robbed. Eat a bag after of she dick, completes, After she completes her dance, they drag Jack out from the back and lay him on the altar. The leader of the cult grabs a chainsaw but struggles to get it started. We then cut to a string of police cars being led by the chief on their way to the warehouse. After some struggling, the master finally gets the chainsaw started, and he hands it to Samantha to perform the sacrifice. Just before she goes to cut into Jack, she turns around and plunges this chainsaw into the leader's stomach, spraying blood and guts all over the room. So great, like that spliggity splat. I mean, you know what's gonna happen. Like they set it up. It's not like yeah. some big twist or some shit like that. It's not some you know double cross or anything. I should have counted how many times Big Man tried to start the chainsaw. Because Arguably, again, it's it's not three or four, uh, you know, prime pumps that don't start. It's it's ten or more times where he's trying to crank this chainsaw, and then he just goes, "Oh, I just need a primer." Pumps a what button I, and it starts right off. What I love is the whole time he's like trying to do this, Jack is just super fucking chill, like chill. laying, like making jokes, cracking jokes at the dude's expense. Like, man, I'm gonna die. If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna do it while pissing this motherfucker off. And sure wish I had a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mercedes picks up the check second chainsaw and her and Lynn begin to have a chainsaw duel while the rest of the disciples flee the temple. Sam gets the better of Mercedes and slices her open. She then unties Jack, who cracks a joke and then plants a fat, wet kiss mm. on her. Like one Perfect obviously timing. does in that moment. But the chainsaw duel, I, I, as it was happening, I, was, I sat back and I was like, is this the sound that two chainsaws colliding would make? I had, I had a lot of problems with it. Yeah, I, either I, that I, or two cats having sex. Ooh. That's the noise, boys. They don't move the chainsaws a lot, and I'm glad they didn't if they were real. Uh, but how? Like, how do two chainsaws connect to each other without either? There's some loose to the chain, right? You have to have some give to the chain. Mm -hmm. So when they connect with each other with blades attached, I got to imagine that they 
just tighten up on each other and get jammed. Yeah, this I think it would. They would just like. I think they would just like immediately break. Yeah, I mean, but this is Hollywood chainsaw hookers, guys. Do we legitimately think logic applies to anything happening right now? It's I mean, everything else. Story. These were the same chainsaws they used right. back in Egypt in 1982. Yeah, no, everything yeah. else, like everything, has been true to history so far. So mm, I, I'm actually true. kind of shocked that they broke reality in this moment. Mm. Um, but Cayman, mm-hmm. little trivia, sure. Lene Quigley was often she was often surprised to see that the virgin dance of the double chainsaws was used to advertise the film on TV and print ads since she is actually nude and covered in makeup. Uh, Censors mistakenly thought that she was wearing a skin tight costume, but no, you can see the nipples. Hell yeah. Covered in paint. Fucking 1988, boys. Just getting free booby shots on TV. Bennett, what was it like being alive in 1988? Yeah, tell me. So I was a young lad at that point, horror cinema. So <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, I'm grateful for when I did grow up through through trash cinema and specifically horror cinema for that moment. I'm not going to get on too long of a tangent here, but oh boy, great. My twin brother and I, Gray, we would sneak over to our friend's house. His name was coincidentally Jason, and his parents would let him rent whatever the hell he wanted from the local rental shopper. And my parents, you know, were at that point, I I was still, I was less than a teenager. PG-13 was like, I remember Jaws, I think 3D was being a big deal as us not being able to rent it until we went on a spring break at my grandparents' house and they didn't pay enough attention. But we would go over to Jason's and watch all these terrible, scary movies and just have the shit scared out of us. (laughs) Um, Like movie stores back then, when you actually had to go to the movie store and rent a movie and so much of that was based on the movie art and hollywood chainsaw hookers has some brilliant art that's something that i don't know if it would have been on the shelf at my local cinema shop but it would certainly would have caught my eye had it been there sure true 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 well the chief finally arrives at the temple and he sees the two the remaining disciples running out he tells his crew to wrangle them up and then goes into the temple to find Jack and Sam tongue-punching each other's throats. Jack asks the chief if he can fill out the report tomorrow since he needs a little sack time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is what it doesn't said. take. <laughs> it's exactly what he said. It doesn't take long for Sam to scream out when she sees that the bodies of Mercedes and the master have vanished into smoke. She looks into Jack's eyes in fear. We cut back to Jack's office, where he's finishing up the final touches, recounting his story. Jack says that he's keeping Sam around because she's a good kid and has a great set of tits. (laughs) I do wish I'd have gone back and counted the amount of times he said that, which again is for us. He says it multiple times as a running gag, but it's, it's a wild ending, right? The cops show up, everybody's screaming out of this building five feet in front of the police force and they just go, ah, we'll catch him in a minute. And then they, <laughs> that like, that's it. And then as, as soon as Jack has the conversation with the police chief, we cut to him being at home and just saying, ah, that about wraps it up with this case. We have no less than five cops or five people dead, no less than at least two cops that we know of that happened in the precinct. Uh, however many people are dead inside the ceremony, we've got a double-digit body count by now. Uh, that about wraps that up. I think I'll keep Sam around for a little while. I need a secretary anyway. 
No, he says, I need a secretary. He's like, I need a secretary like I need another hole in the head. Ah. But she's a good kid. That's a great set of tits. I got to say, there is a dissonance. There is a uncomfiness with starting a sentence by saying she's a good kid. Yeah, that kind of gross. It has a great set of tits. I was like, oh, what a... The landing was right there. It's like you you hit it, but then you you, you kind of tore your ACL a little bit, and you're not going to yeah, get the next Olympics. Yeah, I mean, it didn't stick that landing very well there, Jack. Maybe yeah. leave the kid part out because that makes it sound like you're, uh, you know, a uh, uh, groomer, yeah. Yeah. but not kind of the Disney kind, more of like the, <laughs> you know, the Catholic priest kind. Really and like I will say, said a little different. I will say, my grandfather. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet him past before I was born, but the stories sure. that I am told, he oh. apparently he called everybody kid. Doesn't matter if you were 80 uh, years old or 10 years old. So like maybe it was a just a thing of them. Uh, inter- you know, he, he was a PI. His name was Jack and he always talked about Sam. So. Oh my God. Another true story. You guys, another conspiracy uncovered on the save trash cinema podcast. Well guys, normally at this point, this is when we say roll credits, but teaser coming soon. Student chainsaw nurses with a tagline. Bad to the bone. Yeah, Does that this movie exist? never came out, guys. Oh, nope, never ah, came out. damn it. And then guess what? Roll credits. Roll credits. Bring it back. Bring it back. Well, that brings us to the end of Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. And you know what that means. We got a little bit more trivia. We got a little bit more trivia. Patrick, why don't you take us off? We're gonna we're gonna bring it home, boys. Bring it home with a little trip. Film the film was shot in five and a half days, a tight five and a half. Wow. Not even sure that's long enough for Linnea Quigley to get over her concussion. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and half of that time was spent putting her in the paint makeup. Uh, <laughs> the movie was also shot on short ends, which, if I'm not mistaken, is like mm-hmm. the leftover film from other films, right? Yeah. They, yeah. Fred Olin Ray was notorious to be able to cut budget. He would use short ends from other productions or pictures. Huh. And then more often than not, and I can't back up whether or not this is the same case for this film as it was with Evil Tunes. But another trick that he would use was not only using short ends, but also using a crew that was left over. If their production wrapped sooner, he would use the crew from another film to do his film. So he could pay them even less. Business. Um, yeah, he was good at Business. that. That's how he made these movies for so cheap. The original title of this film was simply Chainsaw Hookers, but the video distribution company that provided part of the funding, LA Video, wanted the word Hollywood in the title. And then subsequently when the film was released in the UK, it was simply called Hollywood Hookers because apparently it was illegal to use the word chainsaw in a movie title. Instead, they used a picture of a chainsaw in place of the word. See, that's why we had that whole tea battle in 1982 with those damn Britons. Yep. Fucking Britain, bro. Yep. Unbelievable. The shot heard around the world. Greg Kinnear was a host for a television program called Movie Time when he attended the Hollywood premiere at the Egyptian Theater in 1987. He interviewed the cast, crew, and attendees for a special segment, including Sybil Danning and Dookie Fleiswater. (laughs) I can't read that that name and not laugh. He did not know who Linnea Quigley was and simply credited her as Chainsaw Hooker, to which I say Greg Kinnear... Your loss, buddy. Greg, Greg Kinnear, guess what? When you get home tonight, under your bed, I'll be waiting for you with a Kentucky Klondike bar, and it's not oh, going to no. be the fun oh, kind. no. It'll be the bad no. kind. You're not going to enjoy it. You suck. I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Greg Kinnear. The soup 
which you guys may know as a Joel. Uh, what's it? I don't know. I remember Joel McHale. Joel McHale. But that I think he was the first host. I think Greg Kinnear was the first host of. This he was. But that doesn't he really kind of hit big. And he was freaking hilarious back in the day. Yeah, I'm that gonna... doesn't excuse him from not knowing. Wow, who the I queen did. Spring Linnea quickly was. I did not know that Greg Kinnear started Talk Soup. Oh he man, did. it was started so good back and and in its prime when the yeah. content was glorious. Fuck no, fuck Greg Kinnear for tarnishing the good name of Linnea Quigley. Hmm. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of trivia, which brings us on to the final segment of our show, where we ask the questions: Should this movie be saved, or should we can it? Save it or can it, boys? Let's start with you, Patrick. Do you save Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers or do you can Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers? You know, I think this is one that for me, it's it's close, honestly, mm-hmm. which might be shocking. But sure. I do, the scales are tipped just in the favor of saving it. I think I think this is a movie that, I feel like this is quintessential trash cinema. Like this is quintessential. Like if you're, if you're, if someone is new to this podcast or new to this genre and doesn't know, like doesn't understand what trash cinema is, you show them Hollywood chainsaw hooker, chainsaw hookers. And you know, like it's it's very clear. Yeah. Like it's very clear what, what you're getting in for or what you're getting into. Um, It's fun. I, again, love, this I get I, this movie would be dog shit if it didn't have the noir aspect, but the noir it just it's such a fun spin, and yeah, I Linnea Quigley, ten out of ten, great performance, great, uh, great paint job. Oh yeah, I'm gonna save it, saving it. All right, well Bennett, how about you? Save it or can it? I'll just. Go ahead and say it. Save it, save it, save it. This movie is a feel-good, fun, good time. You talk about Samurai Cop a lot, and when we did that episode, how uncomfortable we felt with a lot of the sexual scenes. Mm. And this kind of looks in the mirror, right? There's definitely, like you said, the females are the ones that are empowered towards driving the sexual charge. The men just make comments on it. Uh, And they make a lot of comments on it, but the women are the ones who definitely drive it. And it feels like they're in control. It never really feels uncomfortable in that regard. Um, it's a time and place movie. Patrick's right. The noir is what shreds, right? It's got that. If you ever watched any of the Naked Gun movies, which were popular through, uh, you know, Leslie Nielsen through that time period as well, where you've got that inner monologue that was self satirical and poking fun at that detective genre, where you get a lot of that inner monologue. Uh, severely popular at the time, and they do it so well. It's It feels like it had a decent budget, right? Like you say, they were using scrap film, and but it had its own, it had a great soundtrack that was made just for the movie. Sure. Uh, you can buy it on vinyl for on Amazon for $50. Had some great art, uh, some great set pieces. Uh, the acting is obviously supposed to be subpar at times, but it feels like it had a big budget. You have a score. The music is used really well. They they have a lot of original songs for the film as well. It looks good for using scrap film. It's it's shot well. The DP did a great job. It's it's congruous. Um, there's moments definitely where you feel like uh, this was probably made on a short time frame. But it feels like it was made on a solid budget. It's well put together. The editing, the swap scenes are well done. There's some fantastic 
one-liners in here. It puts you in a time and place, right? Puts you in the mid eighties. You see signs for, you know, Xerox for three cents. Oh, kids today don't know what the fuck a Xerox is, nor what it would equate to for three cents. Uh, all the Letterman references, and, and and it's just it puts you right in the middle of the '80s. It's got that perfect blend for that that kind of comedy that they're going for with a titty bonanza. I counted twelve boobs, twelve boobs in this movie. You see a lot of those twelve boobs in multiple scenes, but twelve different boobs. Um, which again, it uh, you know what you're going to get, and this movie doesn't try to hide away from it. It looks itself in the mirror. It makes fun of itself a little bit. Um, but it gives you more than enough fun because of the way it's all done. It's packaged together well. The music, the acting, the pacing, the jokes are all on theme. I think they, they devise a really concrete theme. They stick to that direction. And from beginning to end, you know what you're going to get. And much like those comments you just made, uh, Bennett, this movie, a tight 75 minutes which yeah. I really am here for like yeah, 100%. a lot of movies in today's world. I'm looking at you. The Batman could learn a thing or two from Hollywood chainsaw hookers. A tight yeah. 75 minutes is all. You tight, need. That's all you need. Yeah, guys, I'm following up a uh, resounding save it right behind the, the two of you. Um, you know, it would be redundant to say anything else that mm. you guys said, because you're all spot on the noir. Mm perfect the jokes land and the jokes are on theme they're on point but there is something to point out here that you guys didn't know but i did wow. this movie was shot on a budget that was roughly 60 to ninety thousand dollars. what's that equate to nowadays it's a good question let's look i don't know the answer i'm, to I'm just gonna say ninety thousand ninety thousand uh in la and what was this what year was this 82 88 1988 90, 90k in 1988 is about $218,000. Still, okay. yeah. I'm, holy so shit. When we're like when we're talking about a lot of these movies and this is kind of the the thesis behind Save Trash Cinema is that there is not a movie that's made today that's made for less than a million dollars. One of probably the most shining examples of a movie that was made that's like really fucking good was the French Dispatch, which was made for roughly anywhere between 20 to 40 million, I think is the estimated budget for that film. Okay. And and that is, and I think it's important to point out that a lot of the actors, and there's huge named actors that are part of that movie, they took way less than their normal rate would be to star in a film because it's Wes Anderson. Save Trash Cinema, these movies that we're covering are made with a shoestring budget. They're shot yeah. on short ends. They're shot reusing cast and production. Film. Yeah. From other you know pictures that were being produced. Something like the Batman is what? $200 million to At shoot the least. fucking Batman? At least. I think Avengers was like almost $300 million mm -hmm. to shoot Avengers Endgame. Guys, if you can shoot a movie that is this type like this just a movie that's just so much fun yeah. there's so much heart you can tell that the actors when they're on screen are enjoying themselves that is i think the, the big thing here is these people are enjoying making this movie linnea quigley talks all the time about hollywood chainsaw hookers being one of her favorite films that she's ever worked on and when you couple that kind of situation where you have a movie that was shot for pennies compared to every other movie that's coming out today. And it's arguably more entertaining than watching a lot of the shit that comes out now. 
Um, I look this movie. If you sat down, you're like, here is Zack Snyder's Justice League cut, four hours long, and then you're like, here is Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, seventy five minutes, and you're like, which one do you recommend? I would literally set Justice League on fire and Agreed. then piss on it and be like, no one should watch this. You should just watch Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers because you will enjoy it way more. And you and, can watch it five times in the amount of time that it would take you to watch the Justice yep. League once. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's like, that's why we're doing this podcast. This is trash cinema. This is saving trash cinema. And so for me, 100% resounding yes, we are saving Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. 100%. And that is the last thing I'm going to say about that, because guess what, guys? This is the end of the show. I have to say, if you've enjoyed it, Mm. please rate, review, share the hell out of it with your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Word of mouth is key here. Please do us the honor. Tell your friends. Also, fuck Keith. Fuck Keith. Are you serious? Fuck that guy. If you're interested in video games, however, check out our main podcast, the Spotlight Games Podcast, on all of your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen and watch us banter about video games here as well. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Kamen. You can follow Patrick at Patrick Schwag. You can't follow Bennett because he's useless and doesn't use Twitter. You can follow our main <laughs> podcast. Now that Elon bought it. At Spot Games Pod on Twitter and at Spotlight Games Podcast on Instagram. If you want to be part of the show, whether it be a guest host or have a movie recommendation, you can reach us at SaveTrashCinema at gmail.com or Save Trash Cinema on all socials. Remember, fight big box office, save trash cinema. I decided to flash the missing girl's picture around while I waited. First, I showed him Samantha Kelso's photo. Then I showed him a picture of a chainsaw I'd torn out of a magazine at Sally's place. Still nothing. Then I showed him how to make a shadow bunny on the wall. Nothing phased this guy.